Welcome to the Honor the Gift Podcast. I am your host, Art McCracken. I specialize in transformational leadership and high-performance coaching. I've worked with hundreds of companies and thousands of individuals along the way, helping them achieve greater outcomes in all aspects of their life. I'm a speaker and writer, but at the end of the day, none of that holds a candle to being a husband, father, and friend. I believe the greatest gift in our mortal existence is the gift of choice. How we honor that gift will shape the eternities. I also believe that career is a way of being and not just a way of life. And when you figure that out, by learning to let go of the charades and leaning into growth, life just seems to unlock itself. I know this because I've lived it. Quite simply, my calling is people experience living true. Thank you for being here. Thank you for making the commitment to lean into growth. I honor your journey. Now, let's do this. Hello, friends, and welcome to another weekly episode. I am your host, Art McCracken. Today on the Honor of the Gift podcast, I have a special guest. His name is Justin Batt. Justin is a dear friend and a mentor to me. Uh, without wasting any more of your time, we're going to dive right in. So, Justin, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the call. Uh, you are the first guest. So, if that means anything or nothing at all, I sure am grateful to have you here and, and grateful to uh, be able to hear your voice and, and to spend this moment with you. Uh, you're somebody that I care deeply for. Uh, you've had a major impact in my life and certainly the things that uh, you carry yourself on with in your life have a major impact, not only for me and my family, but for so many families across the globe. So I want to give you a minute to talk about who you are, give us a quick snapshot, and, and really, what's your primary existence on this planet? What are you all about? Well, Art, I am so honored and blessed to be on your show, first of all, and to be the first guest. I think the only thing, the only reason why, because I know who what your Rolodex is, that I'm your first guest is because I had some availability today. That's got to be it. I had an open spot. <laughs> Nobody else did, because there's no way I should be your first guest no. knowing who you know. It was by choice, my friend. I, I'm a, we have some fortuitous uh, conversation not too long ago that uh, just opened this window. I'm glad to have you here. No, it's it's such a pleasure. Well, you know, my my calling in life is um, I'm one of the few and probably um, and rare people who found their calling in life at a younger age, and and that is to end the cycle of fatherlessness. And uh, I do that through a platform called Daddy Saturday, which Daddy Saturday is designed to create education and experiences to do just that, to end that cycle of fatherlessness. And we reach both the, the father who's in the home and helping them engage and be more intentional and create epic moments and memories with their kids. And we also have a platform uh, to reach those kids that are fatherless. They don't have a father figure in the home. And we work to bring that father figure into their life. And we do that both domestically as well as internationally. We've got an omni-channel platform reaching through a whole different means and modalities to reach both dads and kids to, to make that impact. And, you know, it's, it's funny because uh, this didn't start as like this, Justin's going to create this organization that's going to make global impact to try and end a, um, an international epidemic. It started in my backyard with my own four kids, which we have four kids, a daughter who's 13 and then three boys in a row, 11, 8 and 6. And my wife and I have been married for 15 years. She's an entrepreneur. And it was through her store art and working in her bridal boutique that I was at home on those Saturdays alone with our kids and just decided to become an intentional and engaged dad. And, and I wasn't living up to the calling that I had on my life to be the dad to my own four kids. 
and support my wife in that time on those Saturdays. And that caused me to start this initiative. And then that calling turned into what started in my backyard um, was called to be much larger and to make global impact. And that's where I find myself today. That's fantastic. Uh, certainly, I, I think that's the first time I met you personally was uh, you were in town. I had a, a joint friend that reached out to me and said, I want you to come and meet Justin. I want you to see what he's up to, what he's all about. And certainly, uh, in fact, I think I was asked to bring my own daughter to the party and to share some of our thoughts around dads and daughters and the relationship that we have and develop and how it translates into meaningful and intentional interactions in our life. And so I was grateful for that experience. It got me thinking about being more intentional as a father. And as we know across the globe, fatherlessness is having a tremendous impact and not for good. And so your efforts, again, kudos to you, grateful for uh, those efforts and and what you're working towards in your life and, and pouring back into the world. Uh, I have a few questions for you today, and these questions will be kind of a, not a standard format, but really a way to, to get to know the guest at a deeper level. I think each of us have an opportunity to learn something from somebody else. And for me in my life, the, the whole concept of watch one, do one, teach one is a core tenet of my own. And I think that the experiences, obviously you've had some experiences in your life that have led you to where you are and you're making memories and moments each day. If you were to look back in your life at the most powerful experience that you've had to date and reflect on the lessons learned, what what is it you'd share with us? I love that question. I've had um, several moments in my life that have been those kind of mile markers or, or guideposts that maybe have sent me off in a different trajectory, different path. And I'll say the first one, I'll, I'll name a couple and I'll do it quickly. But the first one was when I was in high school. I was a, a decent football player and I um, was called out the first day of our, our final my senior year to, to demonstrate how to tackle somebody. And I, I did, I tackled him well, but unfortunately I landed on his shoe right in my lower abdomen and it um, pierced my kidney. And I had, um, which I didn't know at the time, an open bleed that caused me to end up going to the hospital, being life flighted and being in the hospital for seven days and, and bed rest for seven days at home. And it really reframed my thinking about who I was in life as, as a 17 year old young man who thought he was going to go play football in college and be a sports star and football was everything for me in life in life at that point and um, it really was a way to to set me back and change my perspective on on life and on my future and I ended up being by the grace of God coming back and able to play my final five games it was a real gift that season I wasn't supposed to but I was able to heal and come back and make that happen Um, but then when I went to Clemson where I attended college I was going to go walk onto the football team and just felt this this almost like barrier saying, you know what, you're done. I gave you five more games. You played those. That was your gift. Um, it's time to do some other things in life. And, you know, by choosing to go 12 hours away to school and not stay in my home state of Ohio and go to school, it opened up a whole new world of opportunities to me. It's where I met my wife, um, learned a lot about the world and traveled and um, had a phenomenal education. And, you know, looking forward now to where I am today, I feel like God put a a barrier in my life. If I want to say he injured me or allowed me to be injured, either way, um, it caused me to have a pivot point and redirect myself in life. And I've had several of those things happen. I had a stingray sting recently. My last surfing trip in Charleston before we moved from Charleston to Nashville back in May, 
got stung by a stingray, had to have ankle surgery as a result of it. Supposed to run 100 miles in 24 hours to benefit Operation Underground Railroad with a good friend that both of us share in common and, and missed that event because of that. Um, changed my perspective, changed my, my outlook on life. And then most recently, um, just this past weekend, was on this amazing trip, had, had worked out in the morning, had spent most of the day um, paddle boarding and playing beach volleyball. We were playing beach volleyball late at night. And I, being like I am, going all in all the time, I dove out of bounds for a ball and I felt my hamstring just like, it didn't snap, but it rolled up on me. And I, I tore my hamstring. And I'm in great shape. And I'm like, what is going on? But then I had to sit out the game and I got to watch my wife play volleyball. And I got to observe my wife from a different angle than I normally get to observe her from. And I got to see my wife laugh and engage and, and just play volleyball. And it was such a cool perspective. And I'm sharing all those things, Art, because for me, if you notice, there's this series of like Justin getting hurt mm-hmm. and then a perspective change. And so in life, the lesson that I've learned out of all of those things is that it's very important to run at the pace of your people. And I have an extremely high personal velocity. I run at 110% all the time, Um, very high octane, but too much of that causes me sometimes to run up the mountain and leave my people, most importantly, my family, my wife and my kids behind me at the end of the rope, looking forward saying, dad, where are you going? We want to go with you. And so I've learned along the way, just turned 40 about a week ago, that it's very important to run at the pace of your people. It's not worth getting to that end goal if your people aren't with you. And sometimes in life, it may take an injury. It may take an unforeseen circumstance. Something comes into your life that causes that perspective shift. And for me, that's happened a couple of times. And that's a lesson that I've learned as a result. Powerful lesson, Justin. Um, That realization that people, you know, you look at, you could look at two mountaintops and you could see one mountaintop with the, really nothing on it and envision yourself and sure it'd be great to climb that mountain but uh the other mountaintop with uh maybe a little bit more activity and some of the people that you love and respect and want in your life that journey with them is a powerful journey and so uh great lessons learned and thank you for sharing that no doubt you'll continue to have those those lessons when you peel that back and you look back in your life and even today i mean i know that you're consistent in your life as far as uh, being intentional and and that high energy that you mentioned. What are some of the guiding principles for you that guide each day? Well, I think the first thing is you have to have a plan. Um, You know, most people wake up and they let their day happen to them instead of them happening to their day. And so I typically at the end of the day, the evening before, will set up my day the next day for success. Part of that is a habit and ritual routine that I implement every single day. And that's waking up around 5 a.m., I immediately drink a big glass of water and hydrate myself and then go into a time of prayer and devotional and talk to God. My faith is very important to me. And then um, after that, I go and exercise. And then typically we have a, we're blessed to have a infrared sauna in our house. So I'll go and do a little bit of personal time in my infrared sauna. It's like my Superman booth. You can shut the door of the bat cave, as I call it. Uh, <laughs> so just sit in there and get a lot of things done. It's very peaceful and quiet. And then I'll take a very cold shower which is another part of my behavior mechanism of being comfortable, being uncomfortable, forcing myself to do something. I don't want to do at the beginning of each day. And I hate cold showers. They're miserable. No one enjoys cold showers, but I do that to force myself. So that morning routine is very pivotal for me. And I get all that done by the time my kids are are wrestling around and awake and I get to come in and merge with them as they're getting breakfast and getting ready for school. We get to spend some quality time together. And then as a family, 
Um, the whole family's only done it once. Normally it's me and the boys. Um, my daughter doesn't want to mess up her hair. So sometimes she you know, abstains <laughs> from this, but we've got a big hill in the front of our farm. And my kids every day, we, we walk down the hill to the base and walk back up. It's about a quarter mile total. Um, it's a very steep elevation. So, I mean, it burns when you're walking back up. And we do this every single day as a driveway devotional. We just talk about life. We, I typically have a principle we, we talk about. And it's something, again, they don't want to do. It's difficult. It's hard, but it's an obstacle they get to overcome. And it's a habit and ritual we built into our day so that they can overcome that obstacle. And when they have difficulty in life, a circumstance, an obstacle they have to overcome, they can look back at that hill moment, as we call it, and remember that they already overcame something that was difficult. And a big part of that, too, is the power of the spoken word. And so we say what we speak over ourselves becomes true. It's what we believe. And when we get to the, the top of the hill, it's the hardest part of the hill. But my kids, every time, will say, Dad, we're getting to the easiest part. And so they've reconditioned themselves to look at things that typically would be uncomfortable or difficult as, as easy. And they do that as a mechanism of reconditioning their brain. So teaching those principles at an early age, and it causes me to, to get out there and live what I'm practicing and preaching with my own family, instilling those principles of practicing rituals and behaviors and keystone habits um, at the beginning of our day. That is very important to me, Art. Um, and then from there, you know, we believe far more is caught than taught. So I have to then go and, and live out the rest of my day in a way that's going to allow me to, to be the, the dad that I'm called to be, the husband that I'm called to be. And what I mean by that is um, time blocking my schedule is very important and allowing things on my schedule that are my best yes. And so they're, they're laddering up to my goal of my faith, my family, my fitness, my finances, or my friendships. And they got to fit into those buckets. Otherwise, they try not to let them on my calendar. And I'm also very big about integrating my personal calendar, and my business calendar. So in other words, um, if my child has a ball game or I'm doing a daddy daughter date night, which I know you do with your kids. Um, I put that on my calendar and it's there as an appointment. And if we got to be at dinner at 530 and I got to leave work early or shut down early to get there so that I can be there and be present when I'm there. And that's what happens. But I only make that happen by putting it on my calendar um, as a, an appointment as if I would hold a you know, very important business meeting. So those are the things that I do during the midday. And then finally, I'll end up at the, the evening. We do dinner as a family as often as possible. Those dinners are also very intentional. Um, we have a thing called Table Topics. It's a really great game. There's a family version. It's questions and dialogue and conversation on the table. We have Failure Fridays. We talk about things we tried during the week that didn't work out, what, what lesson we learned and how we want to move forward. Failure early as a child is very important, something most kids don't get today. And we encourage failure in our home and we have Failure Fridays. Uh, we do karaoke nights and game nights and orchestrate those things in the evenings during the week and create theme nights just to keep it fun and keep the momentum moving as a family so it doesn't get monotonous. And then we have a kind of a wind down bedtime routine we do almost every night. We try to read together, uh, spend time together. Dad tells bedtime stories to the boys every night still. And um, I spend time with my wife and the little time that we have left. So that's a full day for me. I just kind of unveiled everything for you right there about Justin's that's day. That's the magic mix. Yeah, I wanted to give you a peek at, at my days, you know, and look, here's the thing, Art, not every day is perfect. Do I have distractions? Do I have things that come up? Yes. But I'll tell you what, man, every day when I have it laid out like that, um, I accomplish the most important things first thing in the morning, my me time. I get myself centered so I can go be the best me to those that are around me the rest of the day. And then I also do my best to, to really block and make sure that I'm allowing the best yes on my calendar. And when you do those things, yeah, you'll have interruptions. You'll have things that happen. But for the most part, I'm productive. My weeks are very productive. And that's the only way I can move this engine forward. I appreciate that, Justin. I think if we, you know, both of us are studiers of, of high performance. And one thing we know to be true is a great morning routine is crucial 
to strong performance. But I would say one thing that you certainly have brought to light here is translating who we are, what we say and profess that we are, into an intentionality throughout the day. That I don't just say I want to do something. I actually put it on my calendar and I make sure that I protect that time. And obviously the relationship side of, of your stewardship and your domain and your family and at home and certainly in career play out in this. So I want to shift gears maybe a little bit. And actually, it's not too much of a shift. The concept of fatherhood, if you were to bake that down into, into really a, a call to action, talk to me about fatherhood. Well, fatherhood today is in a, I would say it was in a sad state. Um, I used to call it the sour state of fatherhood. But, you know, the, the interesting thing is, and that's based on statistics, it's based on perception, it's based on our portrayal in the media, right? It's based on reality in a lot of homes in the country today. It's shifting, thankfully, to, to COVID, believe it or not. And we can talk about that in a second. But I think to frame up fatherhood, this is my indices that I look at. Um, we have 24 million plus kids in America today who don't have a biological father living in the home. We have 51% of kids today being born out of wedlock. That means that more kids are being born without a dad than are being born with a dad. We've got millions more dads who are physically present, but they're emotionally absent in the home. So we've got a challenge today in fatherhood where we have this big gap where there's not a dad in the home. More kids are being born without a dad than with a dad. And we've got dads that are there that are distracted. They're busy. They're engaged in other things. and They're not rising to their potential leveling, leveling up to be the dad they were designed and destined to be. And all of this is being perpetuated now as we see generations go forward, where the challenge of becoming a father is based on your experience that you had from your father before. And we've got to break that cycle. So I say all that to not just put this big, dark cloud over fatherhood. It's just the reality that we face. And so COVID comes along and it just upends the whole thing. Didn't really change the spectrum of you know, lack of kids being born without a father or the fathers in the home. But what it did to the dads that are in the home is it caused us to reignite and re-engage with our families because we had to. We were in the home. We had to be present. And we might be on a Zoom call, but now we get a, a random disruption with our kids walking in. And in the past, it would have been a travesty. And now it became kind of funny, right? And we started to look at that differently. I know I made my kids, when they would come in, I'd say, that's fine. If you want to interrupt, you can interrupt. But you just know you got to be on the call and you got to join the call and add value with me. And it happened like twice. They never walked in the room again when I was on a Zoom call. So there's this new paradigm with fatherhood in which the, the integration of business or work in the family is at an all-time high. And my hope and my prayer is that that continues as we go forward in this new norm coming out of COVID and quarantine and that we see some of the opportunities that came from that, just the spontaneous ability to engage our families and our kids and the ability to integrate work practices in the home will continue. And that's a big part of our organization is helping the dads that are in the home do that. I think the other thing we need to look at as a society at large is, is the challenge of tackling the fatherlessness epidemic. The way you do that, first and foremost, is by having men and, and current fathers step up and fill the gap. So if there's a single mother in your community who you know, needs help, coach your kids, invite them to be on your team, right? If you guys are doing something and going out to the park or, or playing at the house, invite those kids over so they can bump up against the father figure and have that presence in their life. Uh, we as men in our society need to step up and fill that gap for the kids that don't have the presence of a father in their life. So fatherhood is on a trajectory up and to the right, but we just need a little bit more of an ignition to get us there. And that's what our whole organization is designed to do to solve both sides of that coin. So on that topic then, with these shifts, and I, I can speak for myself when it comes to being home more now, working remote, 
certainly, if I were to look back at 2020, really look at you know this whole evolution of being at home more, I believe that it certainly for me it was a blessing to be able to recognize and be more acquainted with leadership in the home mm-hmm. and to have more opportunities to interface in, a, in maybe a more meaningful way because when you're together all day, which is much more than the few moments between activities and kids hanging out with friends and, and all the different things with work and, and community, certainly having more time together, I think also shifted for me the level of conversations that were being had, things that we decided, okay, if we're going to be here and we're going to be around each other more, rather than isolating ourselves, let's find a way to make new meaning, to create a new uh, opportunity. And so for me personally, as I look at my relationship with each of my children and even my spouse, I'm blessed to be taught often. Sometimes that's through mistakes that I made or having a relationship that's strong enough where there can be candor coming back to me through either my daughter or my son or my wife on ways that I can improve as a father. I take that stewardship very seriously, but what I feel very blessed with is the things that I'm taught daily. And so I want to maybe put you on the spot and I want you to think about each of your children. You have four children. Hayden Olivia is your oldest daughter, and then you have three sons, Blaine, Mason, and Easton. I want you to think about and speak to each one of them the lessons that they have taught you specifically. So let's start with Hayden Olivia. What has she taught Justin? Well, it's a fabulous question, and I'll just frame this up for everybody too. The reason why I'm able to answer this question the way that I am is because of the amount of intentional time I spend with my kids. Hello, friends. Thank you for tuning in. Hope you're enjoying this week's episode. If growth, personal growth and development is your thing and you're here learning and leaning into growth, glad you're here. Glad you're part of the community. If you want more of this, make sure and hit subscribe in this podcast platform or any of your favorite podcast platforms. Search for Honor the Gift podcast and make sure and subscribe so that it shows up each week with new updates, new conversations, new learning, new ideas and concepts, again, to help us all in this journey we call growth and how we make it through life and the way that we show up for others. Also, if you are looking for more information, deeper dives into some of these conversations, and just an update to stay in the loop, you can always go to choiceisthegift.com and click on subscribe where you'll be Uh, in the loop on things that are upcoming and more updates on this podcast. Again, thank you for being here. Now let's get back to the episode. And I think that's a really important factor for you to to ask those listening, ask yourself that same question. Could you go? It's not comparing your answer to mine. I'm just saying, think about how you would answer the same question. And can you with detail answer this in a way that would be articulate enough to describe something your four kids have taught you? The other thing that I've done is spent a lot of time observing my kids because I let other guides like art into my kid's life who can teach them things that I can't teach them. And it gives me a chance because I don't have expertise in those areas. gives me a chance to zoom out and watch and observe my kids and pick up on things that they might teach me that I otherwise wouldn't notice if I was in the mix and, and in it all the time. So two tips that can help you gain that perspective on understanding your kids. Okay, now Hayden Olivia. So Hayden Olivia is a competitive hip hop dancer. She loves to dance. And she's a very free spirit in that respect. And one of the things that she has taught me is that um, we had this great conversation about uh, moving from the back row to the front row. 
And she um, was in the back row, one, because of her height. She's very tall for her age. But secondly, she was new to this dance group. And there was a, um, you know, the best people were in the front. She wanted to be in the front, but she wasn't getting noticed. And so she taught me this lesson around what you need to do to move from the back row to the front row. And I coached her through it. And the conversation was that you need to ask the right questions of the right person. You need to get God on your side, and then you need to work your butt off. The cool thing was um, she did just that. She asked the director of the studio and said, hey, I'm in the back row. I feel like I'm not getting noticed. I want to be in the front row. What do I need to do to be a front row dancer? And the director told her. So she asked the right question of the right person. Of course, she prayed about it and, and worked through it. And then she worked her butt off. And a couple months later, she was in the front row of the dance studio. What she taught me from that was, um, I didn't think of that. That kind of came out together as we worked through that process. But the determination and the tenacity and the approach to achieve what you want in life often comes from, comes from asking the right questions of the right person. And I don't often in my own life ask enough questions because I'm so focused on moving so forward so fast and doing it myself because I can just do it and I have the talent or I don't want to slow down enough to ask somebody else to do it because it takes longer. It's a phenomenal miss that I often make in my own life that I learned through my daughter, the importance of asking the questions of the right person before you jump into something. What about Blaine? So Blaine is a uh, mini me. So <laughs> he teaches me a lot about myself, uh, mostly things that um, I don't like about myself, maybe that come out. I often say the hardest part of parenting is parenting the you out of your child. And Blaine would be that case 100%. Um, Blaine is a challenger like I am. Um, the Enneagram, if those of you are familiar with that, I'm an eight, which means I'm a challenger and I'm a 99.5% challenger. So for me, that means that I rank really high on that um, spectrum. And what I would say is that because he's a challenger, Blaine has taught me that the importance of understanding someone else's personality and where they're coming from. And the fact that he's challenging doesn't necessarily mean that he's challenging me or my authority or my my role as a father. Oftentimes he's challenging the situation because it's it's who he is, it's the way he's made. And so for a challenger, you need to present them with another challenge. So oftentimes I'll, if Blaine challenges something, I'll present him with a question. And I've learned a lot, about, a lot about myself because we have such similar personalities about how you as a challenger come across to other people. And there are times where I'm like, why are you challenging this? Like there's literally no reason to be challenging what you're challenging. You're like making this whole process so difficult. <laughs> and then I look at that and I go, oh my gosh, I do the same thing all the time. Like I'll walk into a room and I have the ability to light it up with energy or I have the ability to blow it up like a bomb. And so Blaine does that and I see myself in him. So it's really given me an, a high emotional intelligence around the way that I come across other people because I see it in my son and the way that he comes across to me. It's amazing some of those reflective lessons that we get uh, as we see <laughs> ourselves in our children. Let's, let's hit your other two. Talk to me about yeah. Mason, what has he taught you? So Mason is um, probably the most like mild manner, we call him the special, he's just like easygoing, so simple to get along with, um, is, is doing the right thing most of the time. Mason taught me this really cool lesson about how not everybody has to be like you and how his differences are his strengths. And it's not my job as a parent to try to make him more like me or the way that I want him to be. It's my job to identify what makes him special, what his unique capacities and capabilities are and how I can help him find those to identify what his calling is to maximize those things. Uh, Mason is the kid who will start a project 
And while Blaine and Easton are trying to figure out any way they can get out of it and going to get drinks or snacks and coming back an hour later, Mason's the kid who starts the project and he finishes the project and he'll work the entire way through without asking for anything. What I learned about Mason is that he is very receptive to being rewarded as a result of his efforts. And so we've, we've found a way to help Mason understand that if he does things without being asked, he gets a really big reward and it makes his brothers extremely mad. But what it does is creates that little innate competition in our family. And Mason oftentimes steps up and will lead the way because he's seen that as a reward. So it's a way to help honor what his calling and his capability is. Um, he's got a strong work ethic, a lot of grit, tons of tenacity, makes him who he is. But we as parents have come alongside that and rewarded him for it. So the lesson there is that, right, you, you're going to, whether it's your team or your spouse or your kids or whoever that is, your organization, you're also going to have to work with people and be around people that aren't like you. And it's so easy to try to make people more like you than to understand what makes someone else special. Mason certainly taught me that capability and how important it is to identify that early and help help capitalize on it. Let's talk about your caboose, Easton. You call me money. Easton's the wild man of the family. <laughs> uh, he's a party looking for a place to happen. <laughs> is a little bit of that challenger in him as well. So he's a lot like me too. He's kind of the, the mini, mini me Blaine. So we've got the caboose in that capacity too. Um, Easton is such a unique personality because he does have that challenger as well. And being the youngest, oftentimes that causes him to want to challenge things simply because he's the youngest or he's not getting his way and he has to vie and fight for attention all the time. I've learned this art of distraction with Easton. The art of distraction is, um, been extremely critical in helping manage his personality and helping him grow as a, as a young man. With Easton, he will get fixed on something and he'll just want to blow it up. Like it'll, he'll just pick something to get upset about at random times, like getting ready in the day, first thing in the morning. So it's my job to help distract him and move him on to something that's productive. And, and I do that quite often. It's like my role in the family because Easton can take the whole family sideways um, very quickly in an instant, just the way that his personality and his temperament is being the little one, he's a fireball. So I've learned a lot about the importance of, again, identifying someone's personality style and finding out a way to help work with that person in a function that is, is positive, is constructive and can help build together because he's, he's, even though he's the youngest, he's an important building block in our family rhythm and he can disrupt that so quickly. So it's been finding ways to positively manage through that positively discipline so Easton's taught me a ton about discipline. He's taught me a ton about, you know, he's the fourth child. You're like, I should have it figured out by this point, but he's like made it really complex and challenging because of who he is and his personality. So I've learned a lot about how to help manage through that process. And as a parent, your job never ends. And it's so important to continue to find ways to move everyone forward together. Thank you for uh, sharing those lessons from each of them. I, you know, my own philosophy about our kids and, and us as parents is I believe we came to this earth a little bit ahead of them so that we could figure our stuff out on how we could be our very best for them and maybe a little head start on some of the lessons that we need to learn to really take in what they have to offer us, but also that partnership that we have with each of our kids. So I, I think it's fascinating the lessons that uh, certainly we can learn and, and be taught. Let me dive maybe one layer deeper if you're anything like me, and I, I believe you are, as we've had conversations in the background, uh, your sweetheart really is the queen of the home. And the impact that she has in your life and your children's lives is just 
fascinating. And I know you've shared some tender things with me around that, but let's ask the same question now. What have you learned from your sweetheart? What has she taught you about in life? Um, man, you know, it's, it's interesting because we just came off this incredible weekend together where we, we really dove into the spiritual side of our marriage and, and the emotional side and just had some really great connection points. We talked a lot about this, this subject and I've learned more about myself from my wife um, because we just have opened the lines of communication. So often I find myself, as we talked about earlier on, running at the pace of not running at the pace of my people. And there's been points in life where I may have gotten her agreement on something where I thought we were aligned and, and we were together on it. She agreed because she agreed with what I was saying at the moment. She didn't agree with the way that Justin was about to approach whatever we had just agreed on. And so those are two different things. So when, when she says, yes, like I agree, you should, you should start a church or we should do daddy Saturday. Um, you know, she's like, I thought you were going to write a book, not start an international movement. Right. And so like, those are two different things. And sometimes I don't do the best job of saying like, here's the whole vision. So I've learned that about myself because I'm such a driver that when I get agreement, I'm like, okay, you're bought in. I'm all in. Let's go. I've learned that I have to allow her to process. And we have to have a conversation that's in depth over time with multiple intersection points to really unpack what this looks like. What's the impact going to be on our family? What's the impact going to be on my time, right? How do we financially, is there an impact on us? And really look at all those different components instead of just doing what I typically do, which is dive in and go 100 miles an hour. And so I've learned a lot about myself and the way that I approach things, but also how important it is to have the person who is my ace, the most important person in my life, right there alongside me. Because if she falls behind, then resentment occurs and bitterness recurs. And man, I'm just pulling back the curtain here. And like, this is what, this is what's happened when I started Daddy Saturday. And I've realized how important it is to, to understand that, that power of having that person beside you and not behind you. One plus one can equal three when you're in that environment together, working together. We're there now, but there was a point where I'd, I'd, I'd let her fall behind. The other thing I've learned from my wife is the importance of there's a phenomenal book by Dr. Gary Chapman called The Five Love Languages. And uh, mine is physical touch, hers is affirmation. And there are many times where um, I let that affirmation tank run low. I don't do the best job of affirming her in the way that she needs to be affirmed as a wife, as a mother, as a, as a business leader, and really helping her to understand how valued she is in our family. Because you, you said it, right? She is so valued, she is so important to our family. And the way that she feels that value is through affirmation. And so I've taken it upon myself to really be more proactive about finding intentional ways to affirm my wife so that she feels that value and knows that she's appreciated. And ultimately, um, that allows us to function much better as a married couple and, and you know, as, a, as a wife to, or as a mother to our children. Because at the same time, kids can be some of the most unvalidating, unaffirming human beings that ever existed. And so oftentimes she doesn't get that from the kids. So I've also become intentional in helping our kids find ways to positively affirm their mother so that they don't know it came from me, right? And you're secretly planting those things. Um, that's also made a big difference. So I've learned a ton about relationships and communication and personality styles. I mean, I hope you're hearing it, Art, just in the conversation that intentionality is the common the red thread that runs through all of this, right? Whether it's in your parenting or your marriage right. or your business and the way you run your day, being intentional is the key to everything. 
And it's not enough just to loaf your way into your marriage or your parenting or your business. And you have to approach all those things and go layers deeper, just like you're doing on this call to truly maximize those opportunities. And I think it's so critical that we as, as men in particular, step up and examine those opportunities more. Many of us read every business book that's out there in the marketplace, but how many books have we read on parenting? How many books have we read on marriage? When we look at our time and our calendars or our finances, how much of our time, which is our greatest asset, or our money, which is our second greatest asset, is spent on our, our family, on our marriage, on our kids, right? Improving those things. She has taught me a lot about all of those things just through uh, my own mistakes and my own failures and having those reaffirming conversations or recentering conversations to get me and us back in line, knowing that if we are together, then one plus one can equal three. Thank you for sharing that, Justin. Uh, I would add to this, and again, this is maybe on that thread of intentionality that's kind of woven through this whole podcast. There was a great book written by Dr. Randy Ross called Relationomics, and he gives, in my opinion, it's probably one of the most brilliant questions, daring questions that we can ask the people that mean the most to us in our lives. And he shared it uh, about halfway through the book. It was something that he referred to as the poor man's 360. And I know you and I have talked about this before, but I would challenge all of the listeners today. If you want to be intentional in your relationships, if you want to be intentional in your stewardship as a parent, as a spouse, business leader, be willing to go ask how you're doing of those that you serve. And here's the key question. This is the question that uh, he asked in his book and that he reframed. And the question is, what's it like being on the other side of me? I can tell you, if you're up for growth, ask that question and listen. And it isn't, you've got to prep the person you're asking the question of a little bit on this because what you want them to deliver to you is the unsightly cracks in your character, the things that nobody wants to tell you, but they want to tell you. It's the stuff that, you don't want to hear about yourself, but it's probably the area that you need the most work and where it's it's probably the place that presents the greatest opportunity for you, for us as individuals in our respective roles and, and where we lead and where we want to be more intentional. And so I would challenge all the listeners, go ask those people that mean the most to you in your life, what's it like being on the other side of you? You'll get some powerful answers if you really listen and then reflect on that and see how that translates into you becoming a better person, a better leader in the home and in the community. Uh, we don't have a lot of time left, Justin, and I wanna, I wanna maybe end this episode with a question that stays consistent with my own personal calling, and that is, I, my calling is people experience living true. In your life, as you look at Justin, and as you look at how you show up in the world, along the notion that I believe career is a way of being and not just a part of your life. I believe it's interwoven or it can be interwoven. So what does living true mean for Justin? Well, living true for me just means that uh, I honor the calling that I've been given and the calling that I've been given first and foremost is to, to serve my family as a, as a husband and as a father. But then beyond that, it's to be a global force for change around the world to and the cycle of fatherlessness. So living true to me means that everything that I do needs to be aligned back to my family or that cause that I'm so driven by and that is so on my heart. 
um, living true for me is in that, in that moment. Um, my greatest strength is my connection, my connection ability. I'm a connector. I am at my happy place when I'm connecting thoughts, ideas, and people. Um, you and I often are both connectors. And so we have a great time when we talk together. And so it's living in those connection moments, right? Where I'm taking that connection ability and I'm maximizing that to honor my calling and to use those connections to be that force of good in the world and to make that change that uh, needs to be made. So uh, I recently sat down and wrote my obituary over the weekend. And it was a fascinating, mm -hmm. uh, it was my eulogy rather. And it was a fascinating exercise to go through writing your own eulogy. And for me, th that eulogy was the answer to me living true. It was what impact that I want people to say that I made on the world. What did I want my family to say about me upon my death years from now, hopefully. And, and that would, that would be my answer to living true. What was in that eulogy? So great exercise for all the listeners to do. And for me, that was my answer to living true. Awesome. Thank you for that. And I, I, again, you bring up intentionality. If we know our calling, if we, if we've done the work to acquaint ourselves with our grandest purpose on this earth, then everything we do in our lives, whether it be in career, whether it be in our homes, in the communities that we serve, everything we do should absolutely coincide with that calling. And that's where we find that, that providence in, in what we do as well. And that, that divine help and divine assistance in moving that work forward. So final 60 seconds, my friend. What's on your horizon? What are you most excited about? And where can people find you? Man, um, what's, what I'm most excited about right now is the fact that um, we have some massive organizational opportunities planned for, for Daddy Saturday and for our foundation and a framework that is going to help us reach a lot of people. I'll share one specific piece of that quickly. We have a, a platform called Kid Boss, which we're launching. And Kid Boss is going to be a virtual coaching platform for fatherless kids. So it'd be a great way for the men that are in our community to be able to step up and, and play a role as a mentor. We've got an app that we're launching. It's going to be a part of that. It's focused on spiritual, mental, emotional, physical, relational, financial, and entrepreneurship. It's our seven pillars. And so content will be pushed out to these kids that need it so badly. And we're in a partnership with Gab Wireless um, to be able to do that as well, which is a very safe phone. And we hope to use that as a tool to get the, that phone in the hands of kids through our program, but kids everywhere to help them have a way that parents can interact with their own kids or in these fatherless kids um, instance, have a way for them to have a mentor as well as a education platform. It's going to give them a curriculum to help them own their future. Uh, beyond that, you can connect with me at daddysaturday.com. That's our hub for all things Daddy Saturday. You can learn more about Dad Boss, which is our program for fathers helping them level up in the areas of faith, family, fitness, and finances at dadboss.com, kidboss.com, which I just referenced. And you can find me at Justin Bat on LinkedIn. That is my most used platform. Of course, I'm on all social, but find me personally on LinkedIn. Awesome. Thanks for that, Justin. If you haven't connected yet with Justin, make sure you do. Uh, he's an incredible human being. So blessed to have you on this episode, this inaugural first episode with a guest. So thank you, Justin. Uh, truly honored to be your friend, to call you a friend, and to have association with you. Remember, friends, that growth is always a choice. Until next week, make it a great one. And remember to always honor the 